So let me get this straight. You do dress like a bat, like, a, like an actual bat. Worked for 20 years in Gotham. The fight comes, we'll need you. Don't count on a Batman. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Zack Snyder's Justice League by the minute. Beginning our first viewing of this movie, in, or first breakdown of the movie, part one, we are including the prologue as we make our initial pass through the parts of the movie before we get into the minute-by-minute minute breakdown. I think the way we put this, Stephen, was like, we are... We're walking the track and putting up signposts of the things that we are probably going to be talking about <laughs> when we return to them at like a snail's pace in the best way possible. Yeah, exactly. I think that we don't want to mine our own content or make a so dense it's hard to get through um, breakdown of the whole, you know, bite off more than we can chew. But we do, we would like to get a full sort of analysis out there and we'll be doing a lot of flagging of, hey, this is really interesting for these reasons, but... As people who've already listened to our podcast, Batman v Superman by the minute, know it will be helpful to say as we go through, this is going to be something that we are going to talk about a lot so that when we do, uh, you know... 40-minute episode on a single minute of the movie, people will at least know that it was coming. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I was going to say, I don't know if any of them are in this first part, but we also know that we have a really hard time gauging that. So <laughs> I guess we'll we'll start with the opening sequence of the movie. The, the opening credits finish right at part one, right? So I yeah. guess it would be credits and and part one. Without further ado, join us on, you know, we're, we're going to be setting the, setting our lap time here. Uh, the first <laughs> time before really digging in. Let's get started. Part one. Harutiloga. Talo. Talk. I feel like a good thing to do on this first pass through is to kind of, if I have questions on my mind when I'm watching this, is to say them out loud now. Yes. Partly because it'll make me seem smart later when we talk about it, and partly because people listening and, and following us on Twitter will, like, remind us constantly, <laughs> and then I don't have to remember as much before we record specific minutes. Mm-hmm. For this one, with the opening sequence, which we knew was going to start with the death of Superman, the question in my mind as I'm watching this is, it's obviously beautiful, and it's obviously slowing down this moment. And I guess the question in my mind is, why is this in slow motion? Like, why are we treating this moment a matter of seconds in Batman v Superman? Why is this the moment that we are picking back up? And why is this moment in time, like, standing still? Uh, yeah, and I think that that's might be something that we're obviously going to talk about a lot in the in the minute by minute breakdown. However, I think that it's it's a funny thing that that's the first question you ask because that is one of the predominant things that people there's like the biggest talking point about the movie. I would say is the wow, there's so much slow motion in this movie. Um, yeah, without asking why. Well, and it's it, I've wanted to anyone that follows me on Twitter knows that I'm not very good at this necessarily, but I'm trying to avoid the sarcasm or subtweeting. But I've wanted to put together a uh, a Zack Snyder Gandalf meme and just say Zack doesn't use too much slow motion. He uses <laughs> it precisely as much as he means to. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that will be the big thing that we come to. I guess this is a good time to bring it up. You're right that the use of slow motion in Zack Snyder's films, I'm constantly surprised by people, even like experienced viewers of, of movie and TV, 
never asking what the purpose of the tool is. Like, yeah. why well, are you using same, it here? I mean, this is the reason that this podcast exists, right? right. I mean, not this one, but the, the one that caused this one to happen. <laughs> the reason <laughs> BVS by the Minute exists at all is because of you and me having these conversations about why can't we stop talking about whether or not it's a good movie or a bad movie and start talking about why these decisions were made. So don't make fun of Martha. Ask why Martha, you know, don't, don't make fun of, you know, Lex being uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Ask why they made Lex Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, that turned into a minute by minute breakdown and, and of BVS and now we're here, but yeah, that's, and, and I think that the, the easy answer with the, the slow motion, I know we're not providing answers, but I think that for this one, it, it makes a little bit of sense, is just like any filmmaking tool, it's to draw your attention to something specific. Right. And in this case, we are there. This is a moment in time and we are dwelling on this particular moment, which is Superman's death and his yell, which is what we know, you know, is going to p- occupy a lot of this opening sequence. That's a good policy. Don't ask no bourbon. Ask <laughs> why bourbon. Right. <laughs> right. Don't ask, did John get D? Why did John get D? Right. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for also coming up with our tagline for the podcast already. Why Martha? <laughs> yeah, it's the same question. Why did you say that name? That's the, that is the question, right? <laughs> but yeah, I think this sequence I'll, I will enjoy talking about because it is stretching out a moment in time for Superman and not doing it to the same extent for anything else going on at the moment, uh, which is just yeah. an interesting division. But obviously... This opening sequence is going to be famed for the uh, shockwaves of Superman's Mm -hmm. death cries. Well, and it's very surreal. It reminds me a lot of the Watchmen opening sequence kind of style of the way that it's shot. I can't quite tell if it's actually in slow motion or if it's shot in real time and Henry Cavill is just moving slowly. Yep. Like, it's one of those, like, I can't, not because it's done poorly, but because the the actual effect being employed, I don't think is as simple as Zach just shooting it with a high-speed camera. And then the addition of, like, the sound waves makes, you know, adds this level of, like, you wouldn't see those in real life. Yeah, it's in in the in the, the pan around, you know, the, the camera motions aren't in slow motion. You see the, the spike through Superman and the spear through yeah. Doomsday. And so, yeah, we're just, like I said, we're, we're capturing a lot more detail about a, a short moment in time. Yeah. We should, we have, we have to keep moving. I was just, <laughs> I was just thinking of like, wow, do we have a character who would actually witness these events like this? Yeah. And then my brain was like, no, we need to move on. We need to move on. But I do think that, I think the, the important thing we'll say, and this is going to occupy a lot of the, the actual breakdown. And fortunately we, you know, we'll be talking about this very soon in the near future. So it doesn't have to be too much of a tease. Part of this scene is that we are seeing it from the perspective of Lois and Bruce and Wonder Woman, which I think their perception of this event or of Superman in general is sort of key to everything else. We get our first look at Atlantis, which we'll be coming back to, and we get the Amazon, the penetralium of all of these Amazons standing guard around the mother box, which I know we're going to talk about. (laughs) <laughs> a lot about that creative choice, but uh, this, I love this as a conclusion to the scene with just the dripping tension as and, and leaving me, <laughs> my notes say, what can scare an Amazon? And then followed immediately by horse. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very, um, I know there were early rumors they were going to open the movie 
um, with the history lesson. And I'll be very curious to talk to some people involved and find out if that was actually in the cards or if that was just a misunderstanding from the set visit. But that obviously would have been a much faster paced opening. This is very slow, but if you look at kind of what it's establishing already, we've got the Trinity, the um, all three mother boxes. Mother box of man is guarded by a man cyborg, and then obviously the Themyscira one is the Amazons, and the and the Atlantean one is the Atlanteans, and so we've already got the major players and the the MacGuffins and who is and the protectors of each individual MacGuffin at this point in time, and then and then also you get we got the the Passover of Lex. I mean, so in terms of non-verbal ding, storytelling, ding, 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 man, yeah. So in, like in terms of non-verbal storytelling, like we've got, you should know what's going on at this point. Thank you, slow motion. You know, imagine if this was all in real time, you know, <laughs> might not have caught it. <laughs> Yeah. As for that horse part, I always wonder, and I guess I'm sure this will come out at some point, if this is a knowing nod to Christopher Nolan and Batman Begins. Uh, this imagery is so ingrained now in Batman fans' minds of Bruce picking his way through the frozen landscape of Iceland. That's an interesting call. And it's funny that, that we would bring that up during the credits here. A, because I, I think Nolan's got an EP credit somewhere over the ice, but also because this is exactly where we started talking about Nolan <laughs> a lot in our uh, in BVS by the minute. So that would be, and also about how you know how his movie uh, influenced that. That's not something that I noticed, but I think in addition to that, there's also the um, nightmare inversions that we get from from this section as well, um, and also just kind of a general sense of like exile and you know what is Bruce going through. How long? How far later is this? You know, that's a lot of the stuff that we're going to be breaking down when we get when we get yeah. into this section. But like, why? <laughs> Once again, why is Bruce traveling on horseback through the icy mountains? Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is uh, you know, it's this is the sequence. This is going to be a hard. Or I'll I'll voice this in a positive way. This is one that we are really going to enjoy dissecting minute by minute just because the it's such a surprising backdrop right <laughs> exactly well as, as anyone who has listened to bvs by the minute knows coming up to a minute like this we will be like oh man i don't know what we're gonna talk about and watch i bet one of these ice mountain minutes one of the like four minutes of ice scope of ice structures that we do um i bet we hit, hit a 40 minute episode somewhere in there somehow <laughs> I I would not be surprised. I mean, I I hope I think I feel like that's an exaggeration, but I also know that like that's the type of thing that like they're there for a reason, and that's the kind of thing that we we tend to kind of stumble upon as we analyze that kind of stuff. Is you know why why ice? You know why why is this where it is? Why why is he on on horseback? You know why? You know there's so many questions here about you know there's a beard to show time has passed. You know so many so many questions to kind of speculate about the answers and the journey that that Batman has been on and where that journey is going to take him moving forward in the movie that uh, I, there's going to be a lot more than people maybe expect to fill the, to fill this time. Uh, sadly, the, <laughs> this lengthy drawn out credit sequence, part one, don't count on it, Batman. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the dramatic irony there. Just the instant popping of the balloon of, of all of this tension built up to <laughs> the most anticlimactic yet. No, not going to happen. I also love for like the first chapter too how it's such a don't count on it Batman is such a comic booky line and not just because it has the word Batman in it but it's very much like the, you you would that feels like something like from like Batman 66 or almost like a classic you know don't count on it Batman and the fact that this movie has already established itself especially with the you know the the ice landscapes and horses and like the music the Junkie XL track that we've got going this time is very Lord of the Rings mythic already. 
um, with the things that we've established to this point. And I think the chapter structure plays into that. And But then to start off the first one with like chapter one of this mythic- Like a wink. Yes, right? don't count on it, Batman. It's such a, bl- a genre blending- thing going on here that's i'm i'm like a really big fan of the uh, what at the time would have been but uh is now for a lot of people the first look at aquaman mm-hmm. as played by jason momoa i i'll just i wrote down lines of dialogue bruce vane uh-huh. <laughs> hey bruce climbed over the mountain before the movie started uh you have eyes so see uh this is all stuff that is really building directly off of you know batman v superman bruce that mm-hmm. we're getting into well everyone knows that once the dialogue starts we're going to be dissecting every line, strong man, strongest alone. Yeah. Uh, again, return to the 20 years in Gotham and my personal favorite line, Superman, he died fighting beside me. And that is his point. Yep. <laughs> uh, which is a little salt in the wound we, there. We've but. also got a few tropes that start in this scene too, like uh, Aquaman leaving his clothes behind every time he takes off into the, mm-hmm. into the ocean and the, uh, the highly, highly memed or or once again i don't even know if it's been memed enough it's just the like har har why is she smelling his sweater kind of thing you know and um but that's one of those things to me that like it makes it that gives it that no this is bigger no that's not the kind of thing you would see in a normal like comic book movie that is very they're putting him on the level of like a like a demigod and i feel like in all of like I, th- I think in in Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and now here, Snyder loves to put something in that like first twenty minutes or so that kind of ch- like it's a it's a check to the audience to be like, by the way, are you on the same page as me about what this is going to be? I, like, do you realize that people are trying to touch the hem of this guy's cloak? Yeah. But- it's Jason Momoa, so they're sniffing the shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, because like in Man of Steel, you've got all the Krypton stuff, and then I feel like you got like the like the phallic imagery, especially with the pods going up, is kind of such a a similar point in that one. And then in BVS, you've got Bruce floating up with the bats, and then here you've got this girl singing and smelling his jacket or his his sweater, where Zach is just kind of like, by the way, <laughs> the, the the way that these people talk about him mm-hmm. is is kind of. I think sets a tone for a lot of the movie of boy, does Superman wish that the world had received him the way these people receive Arthur. Mm-hmm. Just the the way that this is setting up a different kind of hero worship. A little bit, but you also get that in in Mexico with that the shot of the the, the yeah, Day of the Dead I, shot, where yeah. he's like intensely uncomfortable with the with being deified. That's what I think the difference is. Is in this we get a, a representation of this is this is intentionally foreign. Mm-hmm. To, to most people that are going to be seeing this movie, that this is a small community that is still using symbols like in, you know, runes, their worship of this person in a language most people won't understand in a type of song that most people don't practice is obviously throwing back to the old world. Like when we get to talking about what this song actually is, what mm-hmm. this song is about and where it comes from, I think the line that's being drawn between... Um, Gods of the sea go back a whole lot further than, uh, you know, is this guy with the cape a a Christ figure or the Antichrist? And it's it's smaller scale, but I don't think it's a coincidence that there's also something that makes it more intimate. I'll say this and make it quick before we move on because we're dangerously getting into (laughs) into minute by minute territory here. But um, I think that that's a great contrast to draw with the way that the modern world is like, we must grapple with this Christ figure. Why is he here? What does it mean for us? And, you know, that's such a heavy, heavy, heavy theme in in BVS. And 
this has a similar level of reverence here, but for them, it's like they, like you said, it's a throwback to the old world, and they're more. He's not Christ-like. Yeah, well, because yeah, and it's to them, it it's a, it's just a. Um, even if they deify him, it's a. They're like, oh yes, no, this is a a prophet from the sea, or a or a god, or or, or whatever he is. They're not so concerned about. He doesn't shatter their understanding of the world, because yeah. they. I guess maybe because they come from a more humble humble place so to them the idea of someone who can get around the world faster and has you know can defeat armies and and etc isn't quite so it, it does that's not a part of their daily lives in a very literal way this is smallville to superman right that that jonathan was scared of the world having him and the world doesn't have arthur yet yeah exactly i mean you go back to um I think I was, yeah, I was just going to say go back to um to Man of Steel and you have Perry saying and also Jonathan saying can you imagine how people would react if they knew about this but you know you don't have the Daily Planet in J- J- Jupovic I think is the name where they shot this I don't know if it's the same city in film canon but yeah there's nothing he's not doing anything that makes them like question the nature of their reality because their reality uh, doesn't debatable. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean that, not, she's not, really I... into that sniff. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I mean, they're not like, like they'd be more scared of like a government coming in because they or Bruce. Yeah, they they like are outwardly hostile and mm-hmm. lie to him. Anyway, I said it at, at danger of, of infringing on our, our minute by minute. But uh, I mean, the the transition from this song and what this song is about and the lamenting that is about <laughs> wafting over Martha Kent's face <laughs> is at the cemetery. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking a lot about this part of the story. <laughs> and Martha, uh, she, her role in the movie is is small, admittedly, but yeah, is is pretty rich for discussing. Well, and it's interesting that it, it it the the her kind of predominant story revolves around losing the farm, which I think creates a lot of questions about how we perceive what she was going through during BVS that we were unaware of, and uh, because. It turns out that this was like a struggle that she had then, but it was not a a plot point or even anything the other characters were aware of, which coming from Martha, I think is a really interesting character process to go through. I think we, like so many people, seeing that farm foreclosed are asking, why, Martha? (laughs) We've seen um, the death of Superman, and this is just a reminder that like he is gone. Not just did Doomsday kill him, but, you know, he is... He is in the ground and he is out of, you know, Martha's life. And then, you know, Batman already, you know, also said, you know, he died fighting next to me. You know, it's very heavy. The absence of Superman is a is a big theme in mm-hmm. in this first section. Yeah, the death of Superman, the god, and then now we get the the two women that lost him. We go from Martha to um, slow motion, a Lois Lane <laughs> portion of the movie, which again is just um, these are another minute that they could dangerously get to like 40 plus yeah yeah exactly which is which is so funny the perspective that we have from approaching the movies in this way um and why i'm so glad that like we get to take this journey but also makes it frustrating to watch like reactions to this because this is especially if you see people like live tweeting because of the nature of it being released on hbo max so many people are giving their like live like first reactions especially when you get to this part you get so much like okay another slow motion scene what's going like what's with the song and like stop tweeting he's telling a story <laughs> yeah and uh the the nature of the of the song the song the song writer the meaning that the song has to the songwriter com- contrasted to lois 
and um and Martha and Zach himself. There's so much to break down in this in this section. And then also you get stuff like, like even the coffee shop's got a backstory. And then obviously the cop there it's not it's a it's a it's a cameo and like an Easter egg, but also their dialogue and the story that he has with Lois, I think yeah is very is thematically rich about the nature of these heroes that we carry with us um mm-hmm. over time yeah but i guess you know this is what most people would consider overindulgent because yeah. it's a a three minute four minute whatever sequence of her getting coffee and walking to me there is i mean as people will see when we break it down minute by minute there's so much story going on here there's character for lois it's setting the tone for the world we see the newspaper and the the daily planet but that's all moving past lois like she's moving at a different speed from the paper she used to be leading you know this is not the i get writer's block i'm not wearing a flak jacket or, yeah yeah i'm not a lady i'm a journalist and that's all i don't know very contextually and story <laughs> relevant but you know and once again why why the slow motion i'll tell you why it's slow motion it's to give us enough minutes to break this all down <laughs> without <laughs> doing an hour uh, an hour long single minute i i now you know have to wonder will this jimmy olsen be similarly executed uh, <laughs> right. point blank or i suppose why this jimmy olsen will be similarly executed point blank we'll have to wait and find out yeah comes pretty close spoilers we then move from I think it's from Lois to Diana. Diana doing the, just a a sequence that is, (laughs) I know we're both excited that this is going to be early on in the movie. We get to break down an action sequence like this that is um, Wonder Woman focused and Wonder Woman kind of unleashing (laughs) completely on, on this entire hostage setup, which is just, it's thrilling and it's cool and it's fun. And then it ends like perfectly heartfelt moment (laughs) before we move on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think one of the most amazing things about this scene also is I'm going to break our rule to to try to not um, compare it or reference the the Whedon version. But one of the crazy things I saw from someone who was doing a breakdown of this scene is that I think it's six minutes longer in Zack Snyder's Justice League versus the 2017 theatrical cut. If, if you were to ask me that, like, and I'm not looking at the movie actively, it shocks me that the scene is six minutes long period <laughs> like much less six minutes longer and everything kind of builds up and there's the the intensity is ratcheted up more so that like when wonder woman actually comes like bursts through the door there's actually a crescendo that has happened to that point as opposed to like everything just kind of just happening the closest thing we've seen to this is like feora in in man of steel right even superman doesn't go go off on humans <laughs> in this way they were literally there to kill children. So people were like, well, she just murdered people in front of children. And then that girl says that, you know, can I be like you? And it's like, well, I mean, those men were pointing guns at them and not like, not in like a threatening, like give us money or we'll shoot you way. But like in a, like their, their intention to kill them, if the bomb didn't kill them, they were going to shoot them. So, you know, can I, can I be like you and make people feel safe and powerful? Yes. That's what you want. Yes. You could do that. Well, this is this is where Diana is in the modern day. Cut to Diana's people in the modern day. It, if we talk about the Amazon section of this movie, the the great darkness that is beginning, I, we're going to talk about all of the moments that I like here. Yeah, well, and especially with it being this is like our first major chunk of dialogue. I mean, we obviously we've got Bruce and and Arthur, but this is is so. Um, there's a lot going on with with the dialogue here, introducing the villain and stuff. So I think we we don't need to. I think we should avoid specifics on that until we get to the minute by minute. But yeah, just say that this is a reminder of of why we both like 300 so much and why Zack Snyder and his crew around him are so good at nailing that 
the tone that we all want for this. It's weird looking at like the reaction to stuff like this and how people call it pretentious or self-important or too self-serious. But like if too self-serious means Connie Nelson saying, Amazon, show him your fear and all of them screaming, we have no fear. If that is like self-serious, then give me self-serious. I don't, I don't understand how that's a, a criticism or a drawback or like, yes, please take these badass women seriously. Like, yes, take these themes seriously because they are serious and they are like, this is, yes, it's a comic book movie, but also we're talking about like empowering people and dealing with grief and dealing with loss. And I don't mind if those things are given a slow motion music montage to let me process it. Yeah. Um, or. You know, or given you know, dripping dialogue from the villain to uh, kind of set up the stakes. The fact that this is trying to think for the entire sequence, the use, I'll just say, the the way that slow motion is employed among the Amazons, uh, my wife is even more fond of than I am. Um, <laughs> with the showcasing of these women and oh, yeah. the showcasing of emotion, whereas when it gets to the action, nope, we are not stopping for anything. We are having an Amazon fire off an arrow without anyone even saying fire. Yeah, to to me the the best way to describe kind of how awesome this scene is and how much it, it means to people is the um Leslie Jones Twitter commentary <laughs> of she's got a shot from this scene where she's hilarious because she was a little bit snarky but I mean that's just kind of her her thing also I mean she but she when she got to this part she had she had been doing the whole like oh it's more slow motion what's going on here why is everybody sad everyone's all depressed and then she gets to this part of the movie and it's just a video of of this and she's just screaming like we are warriors <laughs> yes. we are warriors and I'm like yes you are <laughs> yes yeah. hell yes yeah, I mean, and you've got uh, Hippolyta, like, there, there is a level of badassery from the Amazons here that we haven't even, didn't even get to see in in their solo, or in, like, the Wonder Woman solo yeah. movie, which, I mean, they you know, are, they were pretty badass there, too. You can call it Spartan, and yeah. now that we're talking about, uh, that is high praise. Yeah, I mean, I think that after this, Zack Snyder could say, you know, I've been thinking about doing a um, a 300-style movie with, with like women. before Diana? Or he could say it about Amazons, but, you know, his situation with DC is, you know, who knows? And people are going to be listening to this in five years, and he's going to be making, you know, <laughs> Justice League 3 or whatever. And they're going to be like, ah, Steven's a doubter. But he could, I mean, he could say, I want to tell a Hippolyta origin story in style of 300. Or he could just say, I want to tell a 300 style story about real life Amazons <laughs> or whatever, whatever yeah. the equivalent is that, you know, give, give him a non-branded IP to make it less complicated and a dozen studios are just gonna throw money at him and be like oh you're gonna do this but in full length yes please we got plenty to to get into here with the with the returning cast of wonder woman and their varying deaths a whole lot of incredible moments sadly so many horses yeah <laughs> were brutalized in this i will tell everyone when that beam when the boom tube opens up and they need an insert shot Similar to a 300-style marketplace, they chose to compose that scene carefully. <laughs> that is all I will say about that. As a little appetizer, um, Epione, the woman that we see in the uh, battle later on who dies in this battle and tells Hippolyta to leave and that the time has come, she is named for the goddess of soothing. Oh, wow. She's the one who heals Diana in the first One Room movie. One of the cool things about this that um, I really appreciate, and it makes me want to go back and watch and, and rewatch the original Wonder Woman and um, maybe 1984 again even, is the way we have character arcs for so many Amazons yeah. that are not even all of them are given names in the movie, but the actresses and the 
and the the character like there is a continuity or a canon to to who they are and and how they fight and and kind of what's going on with them and like and as a result of that there's some amazons here that like you know a lot of amazons die and because of because we have that attachment to them not because they've got like some significant scene in the other ones but just because we we've seen them grow up with diana and whatever or not grow up with her but around diana as she grew up that there there's moments in this that like that hit harder because they were able to kind of embrace make sure that they kept that continuity with with those individual characters which is i thought so cool having having her shout out a piney i know that the average person is going to be like who what should i know that yeah should i know who this character is like no no that's just a name that hippolyta knows don't worry about it horse devastation that follows the incredible action scene which we're gonna have a blast dissecting from the beat for beat i'm really looking forward to making sure we don't miss any of these cool action beats but brilliant kind of introduction to steppenwolf because obviously not, not only do you get you know, the opportunity for his dialogue and all that but also he kind of showcases multiple levels of his like badassery and brutality here I think the VFX people said that one of the things they do to him whenever he like gets angry is they have him hit his axe into the ground. Okay, time to take care of business. He'll like stick his axe in the ground, and that's like one of his the ways they have him emote. And then uh, yeah, obviously throwing the throwing the horses and kill like in killing the Amazons. You already like and like I said, because these are Amazons that we have a connection to because yep. they were you know developed as background characters. You know, this is his very first appearance in the in the movie. And we're already like gunning for the superheroes to tear him apart. He's gone back to his own universe, Penelope says, but yes. uh, he has actually gone into part two of, of the <laughs> movie, which we have not. Um, it's funny that that Zach. One of the things that he said in an interview is that he was always trying to explain to like the suits at WB that this is Lord of the Rings with DC characters. You know, anyone who's like a, a hardcore DC fan knows that that's like a, a suitable genre to, to fit these characters into. But this ending with the, um, uh, what did she say? Light the, light the beacon or if not intentionally a, a Lord of the Rings sort of homage <laughs> definitely is going to, you know, ring that in people's ears. I just love how they kind of get all this like high fantasy stuff out in front like that. Like, oh no, we're not only gives it the sort of mythical high fantasy epic tone, but also connects the reality of this modern world. We just saw Wonder Woman at the Old Bailey, but now these are her sisters back on Themyscira, and it's happening at the same time. And they're like, they were being attacked by aliens with energy weapons, but they're using bows and arrows and talking about lighting beacons that connects them to time long past. Like yeah. there's so much going on here on a like a mythical world building level continues throughout the movie that I'm really excited about breaking breaking down. But that will do it for part one. Six more to go. Seven it's insane kind of. breaking this down and knowing that like even of the it's almost daunting looking at the rest of the part breakdowns that we have left to do. <laughs> well we just covered like several hours worth of podcasting. Yeah, exactly. I mean several hours. I mean we are how far into the <laughs> How far are we into it at this point? We're 30 minutes. We're 30 minutes in. So that's 30 minutes of what? uh, 10 to 20 minutes per on average, probably. Yeah. 600. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 10 hours, 10 hours of podcast. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've already got the the minutes, the the podcast (laughs) episodes dealing with everything that we've just talked about today is going to be longer cumulatively than the entire movie. Uh, but yeah, like double or trip. Okay. Well, yeah, it's exciting. 
It's exciting. It yeah. is. That is a great time. Thank you, Stephen, that if you, our listeners, would like to support this endeavor, I'm going to try to hide the desperation in my voice uh, <laughs> as we as we set out on this. Uh, you can do so with your downloads uh, in your podcast app and by giving us a review on iTunes, which is the best place to find that, or recommending the podcast to someone else. You can also support us with your dollars. If you go to patreon.com slash Snyder Minute, you can become uh, a patron of the podcast. We'll, <laughs> there will be bonus content. Mainly it's to keep the lights on while we put out. I'm just now realizing how many total hours of us talking about this movie we will get to on top of Batman v Superman by the minute, both of which you can find at SnyderMinute.com or on Twitter. With room for more. With room for, oh, <laughs> God help us. Yeah. On on Twitter at JL by the minute and at BVS by the minute. I know obviously a lot of our Batman v Superman audience has carried over, but obviously if, if you're not familiar with our Batman v Superman by the minute podcast, you're in luck. We've got hours and hours of, uh, content for you to catch up on. Definitely go check that out as we, uh, as we progress through this one to kind of figure out what we're all about with, with this endeavor. We are done with part one. Don't count on it, Batman. Now listen to the excitement of Steven's voice as we prepare for part two, the age of heroes. Yes. We have to light the ancient warning fire. The fire has not burned for 5,000 years. Men won't know what it means. Men won't. She will. And this is Zack Snyder's Justice League by the minute. Part one. Holy shit. I got so f***ing excited saying that all the <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 